So words are Mia Francis Poulin's jam, a conversion copywriter, native New Orleanian, and parks and rec enthusiast. Mia, along with her team of dedicated copywriters and content strategists, helps online business owners to find the right words to market their products confidently and without the sleaze. She is the CEO and copywriter-in-chief of The Copy House, the one-stop, flat rate copywriting subscription for businesses that want to market their message authentically, ethically, and profitably. And today we are diving in to this topic of unethical copywriting trends that we should say adieu, adieu to in 2002. Yes. Well, thank you for having me, for having us. You know, this is real life here. You know, Shauna, my little one, she is three months old and her favorite place is in my baby wrap on my chest. And so we're rocking with it. This is what business looks like for me right now. Hey, I am all about that life. You know that. Yeah. All right. So the, the number one reason that you are here is because you are a just marketer that I completely love and respect and want to share with my community. So I want to start by asking you, and this is like a surprise question, but start by asking you what just marketing means to you. Ooh, okay. I love this question. So for me, just marketing is marketing that respects and honors the purchasing decisions of your consumers. Because so often, and we're going to dive into this, but this is my whole entire ethos of how we should market and the power of messaging is that used for good, we can make a beautiful world. But so often, business owners are taught tactics that completely disempower the consumer. And we're using it for, for negative, right? Like, it's, it reminds me of that, that quote from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. I, as a marketer, as a, as a wielder of words, I feel an immense amount of responsibility to use my skills for good because we can see what the other side of that looks like. We see it every day in our, in our world, in our society. So for me, just marketing is marketing that empowers your consumers to make educated, thoughtful purchasing decisions. Thank you so much. I love that. Now, I am going to go out on a limb here with, on the assumption that you were not always a just marketer. I feel like we're not born that way, right? Like we're raised in this, in this no. world, in this environment that teaches us, mm -hmm. even like on the most subconscious level, teaches us to be deceitful and to lie mm -hmm. in order to make money at the expense of others. So what was it? Like, can you pinpoint what it was that like made you realize the way you were doing things isn't the way you should continue to do them? Yeah. So I, I it was, it was like a, an instance that happened all at once, but also it was like years in the making. Right. So I've been a copywriter for, over a decade, almost a decade and a half at this point, I've been a copywriter. And I was taught the ways, like not because my background is in English lit, but also psychology, right? So that was my minor in undergrad was psychology. And I have a master's degree in communication and media. And so I was taught all the ways to understand the psyche of your consumer and also how to how to really kind of craft really really great messaging like how to how to really 
be an artist at this stuff, right? Because it's a science and it's an art, marketing, right? Especially copywriting. And I remember I was sitting in on a launch that generated several, several hundreds of thousands of dollars. And when the question came about of how are we going to actually fulfill, how are we actually going to like meet the, the, the things that we were promising in this beautifully crafted, beautifully explained sales page and sales process, things fell flat. And so for me, it's, it's, if I'm going to use my skills, I want to make sure that the product, the people, the services on the other side are intending to support that. Right. And so that was part of it. And then the other part of it, and it's actually funny you mentioned this. I saw this video and I almost, I almost sent it to you, Meg. I saw this video on reels and it was a guy, he was, and he said something along the lines of at my job, I'm whoever I, I need to be. And he was like, if I'm talking to a Republican, I'm, I, I'm a Republican. If I'm talking to someone who's saying, like, we all need universal health care because this, this, he's like, let's go and get the CEO of Pfizer and, you know, and rally him up. Right. I won't say exactly what he said, but he's but essentially what he was saying was he had no loyalty to anything. He was just saying what he needed to say to get by and get what he wanted. And to me, it made me so sad and angry, but it made me sad because there's a lot of people who genuinely they assimilate to their environments, which, you know, me as a woman of color, as a black woman, I know about assimilation to survive in, you know, predominantly white, predominantly male, predominantly, you know, cis het spaces. But also the icky side of it that made me mad was that some people, like they are aware of these constraints and they use their privilege to just continue on the status quo for their own benefit and their own, their own greed, really. And so to use the, the phrase from home, the movie home, I was sad, mad. And so, but that feeling has been present. That awareness of this exact thing that I witnessed today on Reels is, was also another reason why I decided to really hone in on ethical marketing. So long-winded answer, multi-part answer to your question. Oh, I love it. And as you were talking about that reel, I know you're going to, understand and probably appreciate this reference if you didn't already think of it but all i could think of is aaron burr right mm -hmm. like yeah yeah he's, he oh, stands yeah. for nothing for a hamilton reference but <laughs> yeah right stands for nothing what we fall for mm -hmm. and we know how that ended yeah so <laughs> um yeah. have so i'm <laughs> anyhow i could i could talk about hamilton for days i know that um have there been any challenges or any pushback that you've faced since adopting this like new approach to marketing? Oh, totally. Well, I mean, here's the reality. The reality is, is that the, the icky tactics work. They would, they work right with quotes around them. Mm -hmm. They get people to buy. Right. And so when we are taught a certain way, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like you're, you're, taught how to walk and then you learn how to walk a different way, you know, or you learn to skip, you know, well, walking works just fine. Why would I skip? Well, skipping could be more efficient or fun or you make it more muscle build, you know, it depends on 
what it is that you're looking for, right? And so I know weird weird analogy, but but seriously, like that the pushback is is from people who don't find that empowering their end user is important to them. Like if the issues of ethics are not important to them, oftentimes they'll push back and they'll say, well, I want to just done the way that the other people do it. And I say this all the time that success does leave clues, but some of those clues are red herrings. Like some of those clues are not everything that it seems to be. And I think a lot of people end up in trouble in, in, you know, a way to say it, they end up in trouble where they, they use these tactics but they haven't figured out how to actually support their people or they haven't figured out how to, how to not oversell a feature of a program because mm-hmm. that's what so-and-so did. Or they end up really stretched out thin because they've added in 45 bonuses that they have no way to actually support, you know? So it, it, it all, it all, it all, what we see on face value is not always the reality and but some people they want the security of the tried and true of what they see works and then of course on the flip side what have been the positive things that that have come out of more ethical and just marketing strategies so here's the reality here's here's the thing that people are hesitant to accept well maybe not hesitant to accept that they are skeptical of. And it is the fact that people who are respected and supported during the buying decision become evangelists and retained customers on the other side, right? So if you set the expectations, and I'm going to talk more in my presentation about the pillars of ethical marketing, but if you if you were setting the expectation that your consumer is going to be respected through the courting phase of your relationship, and then once y'all, you know, get married, that that's going to continue on, you're going to have people that stick with you, right? They're going to have people that tell their friends about you, right? And your, your marketing ends up being its own self-generating machine. So, you know, that the, and then also the good thing about it is that the people who get it, like, like the girls who know, know, you know, that, that trend that's going around, <laughs> you know, uh, it's like the people who, the people who are, are attracted to this, like there are people and we have a nice little ecosystem going here. So, yeah. No awesome. Awesome. Well, you've hinted at the presentation a couple times and I am eager to pass the mic and see all that you've prepared for us. So let's do that now. I'm going to turn off my mic and turn off my camera. Okay. So I have created this, um, this presentation and, um, I'm really excited to share it because this is really just the genesis, not even the genesis, this is everything about my philosophy on copywriting. And so today I'm going to talk about three key money generating messaging strategies for businesses that give a damn, right? And so let's jump into it. Okay, so here's what, here's how to know if we're in the right place and, and really if this is going to jive with you. If not, 
come back to the end of the Q and A, and we'll talk some more with Meg if you if you really aren't aren't trying to listen to this. But I think if you've listened to the first ten minutes of this conversation, you you know you're in the right place. But essentially, what we're going to talk about here is for the people who want to get big results in their businesses, but they also want to be empowered to speak their truth, to be their authentic self, to throw away the misaligned marketing tactics, and still make money. So if you've ever been in a situation, and I know so many business owners have, and I've been in this position where I've been told to, to follow a specific marketing tactic, and it just feels like I get that knot in the, in the pit of my stomach. I know that you probably experienced the same thing. If you felt that, we're going to talk about some specific ways to actually have an empowered uh, experience with your marketing and with your messaging as you're launching, as you're, you're doing your organic or your paid outreach, but also to to actually do things that work, right? So let's jump into this. So effective copywriting, and if you take nothing else away from this, effective copywriting does not have to rely on pain point marketing. So often the rhetoric is lean into the pain points, make them feel the pain of staying in this one place that they're in. And the reality is that there is enough pain out on this planet in 2022 and beyond, I'm sure, hopefully it changes, but there's enough pain that we don't have to egg people on to feel more pain, okay? And so what we're going to talk about is what does it mean to drop the sleaze? And it comes down to ethics. So let's jump into what that actually means. But first, Meg introduced me. Uh, I am the owner of The Copy House. And the main way that we serve our clients is through our subscription, which is for flat rate copywriting and content writing. And uh, we basically write these ethical words for you that is embodying your authentic self. And we do that through all the magic that we've, we have uh, put together in our secret sauce. So more on that later, Bo. So Ethical marketing is not just lip service. And I know one of the things that I really respect about Meg and what she's building with Just Marketing is she is really providing a space, an incubator for us to go deeper into how we can be just marketers without the relying on or, or, or stopping at the surface level ways to show what we stand for, how we can really embody in our marketing what it means to build just businesses and, and have just marketing. And so for us, these are the three pillars of ethical marketing that we have crafted it is that those pillars rely on respect, consent, and education. So the first pillar, respect, that means to honor the buying process. So, so often what businesses are taught is that we want to engender people to take that fast action, to, to not have to think too deeply about it, to lean on their gut and all those things. And there's places for, there's a place for that. And that, that is a, a viable way to do business. And there are people who will naturally purchase at that cadence. There are people who are naturally fast purchasers. As soon as they know, they know in their gut, right? But there's also other types of buyers. There are buyers who are, who are medium adopters who need to know who know your successes and need to know all the specific details of what it is that they're getting in an offer. But then there are people who are late adopters. They want to see that other people have gone through it. They want to see case studies. They want to see all these different things. And so regardless of how quickly they purchase or how slowly they purchase, you want to have respect for each person at each way that they purchase in that buying process. 
Okay. The second one is about consent, about being clear about your intentions. So often we are taught that we need to do things like don't mention the pricing of an offer on your sales page or on your website or to get people on a call without, um, so that you can you can talk to them face to face and then pitch them. Or we're told that you know if somebody wants to cancel, we need to cancel or to opt out of a service. We need to make it as difficult as possible for them to do that by requiring them to hop on calls with your with your your team members. I actually just went through that with a software that I wanted to cancel. And so the thing about it is that you want to be clear about your intentions and get people's consent and buy in at each stage of this purchasing process. Okay, and then the third is about education. It's not that you want to to cajole or manipulate, which is what a lot of our marketing is, is up to date has been told has been taught to us as. It's not that you want to manipulate your people. It's that you want to give them enough information to make a, an educated purchasing decision. You want to give them the answers to the questions that are those barriers to them purchasing, and not to do it in a way that 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 uh, disrespects or uh, or doesn't it, it, it glosses over their concerns. Really, you want to do it in a way that honors their concerns, answers their questions, and leaves the next step up to them. What it all comes down to is you want to basically be a good human to your people. Okay, you're a human. They're humans. We are humans doing business with humans, human to human, not business to business, not business to consumer, but human to human. So how does this show up in marketing messaging? Well, let's go ahead and dive into it. So one tactic that we often use are the deadline timer. And so I've been talking about deadline timers for a while. And as I have been growing in the talk that I've been giving around this topic, one thing that came to mind and I, and I, appreciated from my uh, quote neuro spicy friends as they refer to themselves is that sometimes these deadline timers help them have constraints around when their the opportunity to make a decision is up and i want to respect that i want to respect that there are people who need to feel that urgency in order to make a purchasing decision however here's the opposite side of that the opposite side of that is that when you have a sales page and you have that tick, tick, tick counting down of, of a clock, right? What it, that does physiologically in our bodies is that raises the cortisol levels of your, of your reader, of, your, of the person that's in your audience. And what that raised cortisol level does is it encourages them to move into that fight, flight, or flee, freeze mode. Right? They're either going to make a decision. They're going to make a decision from a place of a biological imperative, right? which again, works, right? But is it ethical? So here's the constraint that I've, I've worked around it with honoring that there are some people who need the, the parameters, they need the container of a timeline, of a deadline in order to be reminded to take that action, but also without, uh, without having the people to be making a decision from a place of, of heightened energetics, right? Of stress, of anxiety. And that is to um, look at your timers from, instead of it being from an angle of you're going to miss out, but rather we're counting up to an opportunity if you're gonna use something like a timer. 
So instead of saying you are going to miss out on this opportunity if you don't take action in X amount of time, it's we're about to take action. We're about to get into this opportunity. The doors will open. We will start. We will begin. This is, it's, it is giving, right, versus taking away versus attracting when you are using your deadline timer. So that's one way that you could use a deadline timer in an ethical way. It's about how you're positioning that countdown, right? The other thing is the vanishing bonus. And so this, this structure of having several bonuses for those fast action purchasers that go away as time goes on, that is a tactic that's been used for quite, quite a lot in the past few years. But here's the thing, is that, like I mentioned before, there are those people who are going to take action in a, in a, in a, what's the word I want to say? They're going to take action as quickly as other people. And we want to, again, respect that purchasing decision. So instead of penalizing people for, for acting in the way that they usually act, from, from taking their time to make that purchasing decision, we need to think about other ways that we can um, incentivize people. So instead of having bonuses that decrease, having bonuses that go away, have bonuses that are consistent. If you're going to have bonuses in your in your offer, bonuses that are consistent throughout, but that change, right? So we don't want to have things that are less in value. Um, and so instead of saying, if you take action now, you get this thing that's valued at $5,000, but if you purchase it the day before, the only bonus that you get is worth $25, right? Have a weighted, equally weighted amount of bonuses that are different at the, at the different stages if you wanted to enact something that's like a vanishing bonus. The 99% discount. So this is the one thing that, I, that really gets me is that you're, you're offering up something that's traditionally $1,000 for a dollar, right? First of all, that makes very little financial sense. <laughs> Second of all, it devalues your brand because people are thinking, oh, your thing is only valued at a dollar in reality if you're giving it for a dollar. And also, it's just simply dishonest, right? And so the thing that I encourage people to do is to think about other ways that you can incentivize and you can position a discount that's not so drastic, right? Because it's not, it is not honest to... And especially if you're going to have this on, on, on evergreen, right? Like it's always a dollar, right? It's kind of like the, like that, the, the furniture store that's going out of business is always on that going out of business sale. It's dishonest, right? So think about other ways that you can incentivize people to, uh, to take action outside of a 99% discount. The other is bonus stacking. And so this is like the inverse of the vanishing bonus, right? But it's almost like how, how I had a coach that I really admire. They, they, um, they presented it as sham wowing your business. That, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. And what that in turn does is that actually positions your offer from a place of guilt, right? People are making a decision from a place of, oh, they're giving me so much. They're giving me so many things. I, I have to take them up on this because I, they're, they're being so incredibly generous with what it is that they're offering me. And the reality is, is that oftentimes when people stack these bonuses, they're actually incongruent with the value that they're purporting it as, right? They're not actually as valuable as, as, as they are saying that they are. And also, it's difficult, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, of this presentation, it's difficult for people to, uh, to deliver on 
such a high level of, of, of bonuses, especially if those bonuses are live or they actually rely on a live person's feedback and input. So that's the other thing is about the bonus stacking. So the inverse of that would be making sure that in your offer, instead of sham wowing people, the but wait, there's more. Just be very clear and articulate about the, the container of, of what it is you're offering in that core offer. How can you articulate the value? How can you articulate the transformation that your people will go through after they've encountered this program that you have that you can share with them? And this last one, it seems a little, it seems a little bit like, yeah, duh, but it's the false guarantees. Okay, so the thing about the false guarantee, it's it's the idea of offering people a way out that you have no intention of honoring or you're going to make extremely difficult to honor. Right. So we'll put a guarantee like 100 percent money back guarantee and you'll have the stipulations, which you should have stipulations on on things like guarantees. But then what you do is you make it. Uh, impossible for people to know how to contact you, or you make it a multi-step process to cancel, or you simply never, never honor the guarantee that you're that you're purporting. And what that just comes down to is if you if you are leaning on something like a money back guarantee as a way to make it a no-brainer, but that you want to make sure that you actually are going to put your money where your mouth is on that. So you have to be prepared to actually offer those money back guarantees and be honest with yourself that if you're not going to offer that, if you're not going to put, hold up that part of the bargain, that you don't have to. Because what a lot of templates or, train, or training pe uh, training materials or, or the, the experts tell you is that just plop a 100% plop, plop a, um, money, money back guarantee on your sales page without actually giving you space to think about if that's something that you actually want to offer your people. So that's the other part about the false guarantee. So let's talk about three things that you should do, can do, may want to do. Okay. So one, as you're creating your messaging, creating your content around your, around your sales and your marketing is you want to connect with the heart of the matter. What is it that your readers really want and need? Right. So thinking about what is it that they're really seeking? What does life really look like for them on the other side of resolution for whatever it is that they're that they're dealing with? Right. Talk to that rather than focusing on pain. OK, number two is that you want to deeply understand your ideal humans language. You want to understand their wants, their desires and how they talk about it. And that means that you have to go out and you have to talk to your people. Right. You have to talk to your consumers, talk to the people who are in your ideal client avatar. And you want to ask them questions in normal conversation and listen to how they talk about these things. They'll give you the language that you need in your emails, in your sales pages, in your websites. They'll give you that exact language and you can parrot it back to them. And then number three is to document your style and craft your plan of action. So one of the things that I find consistently across clients who have maybe been burnt by clients, by, by copywriters in the past or marketers in the past, is that they feel like the, the language doesn't sound like them or doesn't sound like their, their, their clients, their end users. And the thing that is missing is that they don't have a fleshed out, thought out style guide for their, for, for their written language. 
oftentimes they'll have things like, oh, this is my color palette or this is the fonts that I use, which is all great and important, but they haven't thought about and haven't notated how they talk about the things that are the most important, what language they use, what's the style of their tone, what's the style of their, of their written word. And it's so important to be able to craft that language and to create a plan of action around your content, around how you go to market, around how you launch your offers, rather than what XYZ expert told you is how you should do it. Okay, so number one is that you want to really understand and talk to what your people need and want. It goes to transformation. Number two, you want to deeply understand wants, desires, use their language and your people will give you their language. And then three is to create that style guide and create that content action plan. Hey, Mia, thank you you so much. That was amazing. Oh, and so I'm knocking over my mic. Um, I always love to hear you speak because you have such a way with words, which of course is what makes you such an incredible copywriter and why I go to you for my copy because I don't have that same way that you have. So thank you so much for bringing so much word magic to us today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me here to talk about these things. Again, it's like, it's the most important thing for me in business right now is that we have a movement where we're changing how we're treating our people. And it starts with the way, the words that we're using to talk to our, to our folks. So. Yeah. And I think for me, as you were talking through things like the hitting pain points, and then of course, having to call to cancel a service, like as somebody who's like diagnosed with anxiety, I have like crazy phone anxiety and I don't like, I'm fairly confident that's a common thing. Yeah. Um, and it makes me feel so guilty, right? To have to be like, Mia, I no longer want to use your product or service. Like, of course, yeah. that's not true. But like having to say that to somebody, um, it just makes me feel so guilty. And yeah. to think that the reason that I'm being forced to do that, that you're that we're being forced to do that is because someone wants to make more money and they are putting that money on the fact that we're not going to do it because we're scared of getting on the phone and things like that. And that's awful. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, they're, they are expecting you to feel exactly the way that you just articulated. They're expecting you to, when you're faced with having to tell someone face-to-face, I don't want to use this service, you're going to feel some type of way about it and you'll, they can reel you back in. And that's just so highly unethical. Like I hate it. Like it's, it, and plus, you know, besides the fact that I, I too am, am diagnosed generalized anxiety disorder, first and foremost, I'm a millennial. I answer the phone for no one. So <laughs> So like, there's that whole extra level to things as well. Yeah. And I think that my feelings, like you just said, have guided a lot of these decisions. Like, Mm -hmm. because I don't like that, I'm never going to make somebody get on a phone call with me to cancel, Mm -hmm. shoot me an email, click the button. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Phone Mm -hmm. call with me. I don't want to get on a phone call with you. Anyhow. Um, I also love how, number one, you talked about the science of things like deadline timers. I know I don't like them, but I'm not always like, that's that psychology degree, right? Coming through, like, you know, about like cortisol and things. And it feels so good to hear some of that scientific backing. Um, And I love that you also shared that spin. Um, I don't know if you saw the same post, but I like recently saw a post on Facebook about 
people who actually like deadline timers and it definitely made me go like e what 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 do i do and so i love that you address that so thank you very much yeah you know and i'm i'm constantly trying to think about you know what what do what do these things do to a multitude of people, right? Or Leon, you know, there's when it occurred to me that oh wait, there's actually are people who enjoy or like or need deadline timers, and I've been I've been you know ragging on them for so long. I was like, all right, let's take a step back and reevaluate. So therefore, we can all grow. So. And that is, I feel like that answer, that that comment is such an important thing that we all need to get comfortable with, right? Is the willingness to to make mistakes, the willingness to examine mm -hmm. what our, our behaviors and actions are as we get more feedback and then to change our thought process. And, you know, yeah. this is for marketing. This is for everything. Yeah. Like this, that is a like core piece of, of humaning in a way that is, mm -hmm. that is kind. So I love that you brought that up. Just a point to add on to that. As just marketers, right, you have to be able to get, you have to allow yourself to get comfortable with that discomfort of being wrong. Like that, that's going to be part and parcel of unlearning biases and, and challenging the status quo that we all live in. Right. And so my mom has a saying, I mean, it's a common saying, but my mom would always tell me when you know better, you do better. And so we have to be allowed, we have to allow ourselves to do better when we know better. Right. So that's my, that's my last piece. I'll get off that soapbox. Yeah, yeah, no. And be, but be open to learning. Mm -hmm. It's the only way you're going to know better is you have to be receptive to feedback, you know, and not just my, my first gut reaction when I saw that post was like, no, yeah, <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> yeah. You're wrong but, in your feelings, but then it's like, well, wait, hold on. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. That takes that step back, which is part of the reason one of my like philosophies when it comes to feeling my feelings mm -hmm. is to give it a day. Yeah. Give it a day. Like I did not respond to that post. I didn't throw in my my two cents. Mm -hmm. I just gave it a day. And it just so happened that that day was yesterday to today. And now I know better and I'm not going to throw in my two cents. I'm going to sit back and take it in and learn. So yeah. yeah. So I'll get off the soapbox now too. Um, so one thing I feel like I have an unfair advantage, um, with this discussion because I work with you over at the copy house and I know, <laughs> I know what we're working on. So I'm going to put you on the spot too, because you talked a lot about, um, the style guide. And when I came to you, not only do I, so I work for, with you, like I, I help promote the copy house and you help me write my copy. So we have kind of a mutual uh, relationship, if you yeah. will. But anyhow, when I started, when I came to you and I had to, to create aisle guide, I had nothing. Mm -hmm. I had nothing. I didn't know what was supposed to be in there. I went through the steps. I went through the process. You've got some nice little videos. And then I felt like I got clarity on, <laughs> on what my writing should focus on and what I should be talking about it forced me to think about things like how I want my, my brand to show up in the world, how I want to talk to my audience, things like this. Anyhow, incredible tool, incredible tool. Um, and I know that you're working on something that's going to help make that easier for everybody. Can you, are you cool with sharing a little bit about that, teasing it out to our listeners? Yes. So 
what we are working on, and this is actually very exciting because I've been wanting to like share to the world about this thing that we've been working on for so long because it's literally been in the works for months, um, but we're really close to making it happen. So anyway, enough enough jumble, mumble jumble about that. What we're doing is we've taken one, our process of being able to create sounds like you copy, right? Spot on conversion focused copy, that process of getting the information, we've synthesized it into a asynchronous uh, pr program that allows you to then take that information and create your own style guide. And that, in fact, it creates a style guide for you, right? And so you can then take that style guide and send it to any copywriter or send it to us at the copy house to create those content pieces for you and or for you to have, like you just mentioned, Meg, have so much more clarity on how you want to show up on the world, what your content pillars are, what your, your, your key phrases and key points are so that you can write more articulately and more, more um, you know, with more clarity. And so we're creating that program now. It's going to be 100% free. Um, and you'll be able to have that in your, in your marketing arsenal as just as important as any other brand asset that you have about your business. So you'll be the first people, everybody who's listening will be the first people to know when it drops. But I'm so excited about it because it's the, it's going to be, it's the preeminent tool to, to really craft your compelling messaging across all the platforms because everyone needs a style guide. So it's exciting. And there are going to be things in there, questions that you were like, people actually like worry, like, I didn't realize this was a thing. I'll use an yeah. example, like semicolons. I didn't realize mm -hmm. there was controversy, you know? Oh, <laughs> so there's much controversy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you'll learn some of the those things, but this is also going to be, that's going to be a resource, you know, as somebody who runs Facebook ads for clients, um, most of my clients don't have anything like that. And I kind of have to have to start from scratch. So this yeah. is going to be a great tool to share with really anybody who's working on your business from a VA, a mm -hmm. social media manager, a copywriter, um, the list mm -hmm. goes on and on anybody who is creating content or, or interacting with content for your business. Yeah. So I can't wait for um, like I said, I'm on the inside, so I'll be sure as soon as that's live and, and bug free, we'll spread yep. it out into the world. Um, and where can our listeners connect with you on the web? At all of the channels, we are at The Copy House, and that's H-A-U-S. And you can visit our site over at www.thecopyhouse.com. And again, that's house spelled H-A-U-S. Awesome. I will put all the links in the show notes, of course. And I want to thank you here to say I love any excuse you and to see Shauna. Um, thank you so much. And again, thank you to Shauna for being such a I know she's a rock star. So I appreciate it. So thanks so much for having me, Meg. <laughs>